Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode I Get My Kicks from Route 66. This is Rick Verbonis, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm also joined by my best gosh darn co-host out there. That's Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob, give me a red. Oh, I can't wait for this episode. I can't wait. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because we are getting into a very cool story called uh, Loose Nuke. And that is uh, the give me a red is a reference to a uh, something that that character nuke uh, which is aka frank simpson says to his handlers when he wants to get energized for a battle and we wanted to get energized for this podcast because uh it is going to be a lot of fun um and and by the way i get my kicks on route 66 bob you're old enough to remember that song from 1946 right yeah, right, right. Well, you, you see, just just for tonight, I've I've changed my my Zoom identity from uh, Bob Lucius to Grandpa, uh, <laughs> in, in honor of your comments from our our last show. Ah, well, yeah. So, but yes, yes, I used to live uh, in the in the vicinity of Route sixty six back in my early Marine Corps days out in Arizona. So mm-hmm. I spent a little bit of time exploring that route. Did you now? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Um, that song uh, was original. It's been done a million times. Uh, so many different versions of that song, but the original was from 1946 by Nat King Cole. And I know what you're thinking. 1946. Well, who would who would appreciate that song? Well, it wouldn't be Steve Rogers. He would be frozen by that point by probably about a year. But you know who would be appreciating it? That would be uh, Mr. William Naslin. And perhaps maybe even Jeff Mace. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was probably out there. Uh, they're swinging on the dance floor with their uh, respective others. Yeah. Yeah. And by uh, that, of course, I mean, you know, Fred Davis. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the new Bucky. You thought I was going with uh, Miss America and uh, uh, Golden Girl, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I was throwing a curve, man. That's true. Uh, what we got going on in the uh, the Facebook group now? Listen, we're we're a couple of weeks behind um, uh, because we 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 record these a little ahead of time, right? But um, recently, right around Christmas time, there were a lot of um, Cap fans uh, on Christmas and the day after uh, posting all the very cool Cap stuff that they got for Christmas. That was a lot of fun. That was, you know, I love to live uh, vicariously through uh, through everybody in the group that that posts their stuff. They're so excited, you know, uh, and it's just it's just it's great. it's great to see because I think you mentioned it one of the posts that uh, we are all we're all kids at heart, right? And this is one of those times uh, of the year where the kid comes out a little bit uh, and gets ex- you know giggly excited about uh, opening up those presents on on Christmas Day. So it's it's cool to be able to share that with each other. Yeah, it was great seeing everybody's uh, gifts and, and their excitement uh, about getting them. Um, so 
yeah, we're very, very fortunate for sure. Uh, but that was a lot of fun in the Facebook group. So yeah, we're covering today volume seven issues 11 through 14. And these uh, are from the Rick Remender volume. Now, the first 10 issues were a, a really cool story about um, Arnim Zola and this something called Dimension Z, which he created. And it, it, I think it's just such, such an underrated story. I mean, just glossing over high, high level on the story, uh, you have Cap who goes off to Dimension Z and Sharon Carter. You know, his, his, his lover, his girlfriend, his partner, whoever you want to call. Yeah, that too. (laughs) And she, uh, you know, she's there and um, she's in the story, I should say. And in the story, uh, there are a couple of offspring of Arnim Zola. There is a, a young lady named by the name of Jet Black. There is a young boy by the name of Ian. And Cap ends up spending 12 years in Dimension Z, all the while in in our reality, in, in the 616 universe, um, just no time has passed. But for Cap, he lives 12 years in this ongoing battle. And it's a really cool story. But I think what the coolest part about it is the fact that he's now back starting with the issues that we're going to cover he's back in the 616 universe and it's it's like he's a man out of time again right yeah and he's experiencing all over this this feeling of loss this feeling of because he helped raise ian as his own son for 12 years um it was a constant battle constant fighting for his life so that is where we pick up in this series. Uh, Rick Remender is the writer. Uh, we, we leave uh, John Remender Jr. was the artist for that. Um, and we have a new artist uh, by the name of Carlos Pacheco, who's been around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same anchor, uh, which is uh, Claus Johnson. And he, um, he certainly uh, has his, his own inking style that you can see, especially in these early pages, which kind of reminiscent of of john romano jr um in in these early pages but uh you can see the heavy influence by the inker in here but uh that's that's where we we pick up our story i'm one of those guys rick that i was never really a fan there's just something about volume this volume that um that didn't appeal to me but i went back based on on your uh advocacy actually i went back and and reread this and gave it another chance and uh and I did. I did enjoy it a lot more the second time around, particularly being able to read it straight through uh, instead of, you know, in the monthly increments. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty compelling story. Uh, it was a lot of adventure, uh, but it also had a, a sort of a philosophical edge to it, which is, you know, something that I, I enjoy. So sure. I encourage anyone who who maybe didn't didn't love this volume when it first came out to dive back in, give it another shot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so let's get to the cover of issue 11 here. And we start seeing, uh, like, this is a, it's a different cover in the fact that the Captain America logo is 
is up on a, uh, a screen as Cap is standing on a rooftop and looks like, you know, cityscape. Uh, perhaps it's New York and there's snow um, and all around him are different versions of, of the Captain America logo, right? So you have um, the current logo, which is a s- small captain in white and then a big America in red, white, and blue. Um, that's been, you know, the logo for volume seven, um, but it's up on a digital screen. And then to the right of that, you see, uh, looks more like the, the Ron Garney Captain America logo well, during the Mark Wade, Ron Garney uh, era. Um, up above it, you could just see the word Liberty, right? Which would be the logo from Captain America Central Liberty series. And then down below, you've got um, un- in the middle, I should say, you've got Captain America and the red, white, and blue in the early 100s version. And then underneath that, you have the Captain America, red, white, and blue, but kind of like the curved version, uh, which is is from the, the 70s and early 80s. Um, so it's kind of cool that there's these different versions of the Captain America logo on here. I got to tell you, Rick, I, honestly, Scout's Honor, I, I never noticed that. Um, I think maybe I just breezed right past uh, the cover because I was like, well, I'm sure you're going to mention it, but uh, the short sleeve, I was like, well, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. And then uh, and I just pressed on through uh, and I didn't notice those details. So thank you for uh, for drawing my attention to those. It's I, I you know, you're welcome. And I, it's not a short sleeve. It's just the coloring. Yeah, I know. But, okay. but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but before we get into this, Bob, I want to say I am going to be very interested in getting your take on this story because we are getting into Frank Simpson, who is a f- failed super soldier um, or an abused super soldier, you know, depending on who's handling him. Um, and uh, he is he was uh, in the U.S. Army. And uh, but you as a 25 year Marine. Um, would be interested to get your take on some of the topics that are covered in this story. So I think that's going to be something that um, you bring to this podcast that no other, no other person could. Um, So we'll get into that. Now on the cover here as well, speaking of caps uniform, you mentioned the short sleeve, which I can see that because of the coloring out of all the captain America uniforms that I've ever seen, this is my least favorite. Yeah. Now this book came out. It had a cover date of November 2013. What's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe during this time? Well, um, in 2012 uh, came out the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie. Now at the same time around then, Volume Six kicked off, right? And uh, that one had more of a traditional look of Captain America. But for some reason, they decided in 2013, because they've got a big hit on their hands, right, that they wanted to more resemble the Marvel Cinematic Universe uniform than the traditional Captain America uniform. So he's got he no longer has the swashbuckling boots or gloves. Right. He's got um, armor placement around various parts of his body uh his knees his his shoulders um his chest plate uh he's got um some gear around his thighs 
Um, and we're not talking like the ultimate version, which has, mm. you know, the, um, the pouches that are always up for debate. Right. right. Um, but then his helmet, his helmet doesn't look like the traditional mask that he wears. It's more of a helmet than a mask. And, uh, and it no longer has the wings on the, all right. On the sides, they're now painted on like they do in, in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then he's got the thing that I've told you before is a pet peeve with me and I don't like the chin strap. I don't like the chin strap. I don't like mm. the little chin guard, you know, um, he's not playing football, right. It's just, uh, I, I don't, I just don't care for this, uh, this, this version of the uniform. Yeah. He's also got that weird, uh, it's not quite a stripe. I don't know if it's a zipper. I don't know what that thing is going down straight underneath the star on the front of his chest. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I can see that here too. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's a weird feature. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's mesh. So it breeds. I don't know. But you know what I do like? I do like the shield. Okay. That's the classic shield. And there's a difference. Like if you noticed, like when you see uh, various action figures or statues or shield replicas themselves that the star in the middle has the lines on it. Like it's various pieces of a star put together. Right. Right. right? Yeah. That's the MCU version. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see that shield and I'm like, not the classic <laughs> shield. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's the air sucking through your teeth, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reaction. Yeah, I'm uh, a I'm a shield snob, Bob. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. no, I, that makes sense. And apparently, yeah. I'm a mask snob too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you are particular. I am. Hmm. But you know what? To each their own. I am. Uh, I'm just saying I don't care for it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying people shouldn't like this. If they like it, yeah. more power to them. All right. Um, I'm going to read the uh, the opening um, recap in here because uh, I find that, you know, since we're kicking off the story, it might be helpful. At long last, Captain America returned from Dimension Z, battered and weary, but alive. With him was Jet Black, Arnim Zola's daughter, and Cap's unexpected ally. After a years-long one-man war against his nemesis, Steve finally defeated Zola with Jet's help, but at a heavy price. In the final confrontation, Steve lost both his adopted son, Ian, and his lover, Sharon Carter. After 12 years in Dimension Z, Steve Rogers must re-enter a world where he was only gone a moment, once again making him a man out of time. And I mentioned Rick Remender before is the writer, Carlos Pacheco, penciler, Claus Jansen, the inker, but we also have the colorist is Dean White. The letterer is Joe Caramanga. And the editor is uh, Tom Brevoort. Manhattan, the Lower East Side, 1935. And we see Steve talking to a doctor who's making a house call. And in his tenant, um, which looks very rundown. Steve's mom is sitting at the, the table and she's got her head in her hand and she's got a blanket wrapped around her. And the doctor says, I'm sorry, Steve. There's nothing more I can do for her. And he puts on his hat and he walks out. 
Steve goes over to comfort. Mom? And she says, on top of everything else you've been through, it isn't fair for you to have to deal with this, but how you do will define you. And for one panel, Bob, we cut to uh, Steve Rogers laying on a operating table. He's unconscious and he's strapped down and there's a device pulling at his chest and, and kind of pulling like a circle on his chest. And what we see here are two figures that are operating on Steve in the shield land base, which is referred to as the hub. And it's now current time. And in these two characters are Dr. Bruce Banner and Dr. Henry Pym. And Bruce says, bleeding on the upper right abdomen is under control. Good. This giant hole in his chest isn't. Biocircuitry everywhere. Need that synaptic welders to clean it off. So they're operating on Steve. So this, this memory that we're going through from 1935, Steve must be reliving this in his head while he's un, unconscious. You've been so strong, Steve, but I know you're terribly frightened. Stop, Mom. You need to rest. I'll be leaving you all alone, but I know you'll find your way. That's the gift of this place, the unyielding spirit of a free people. Optimism is the American state of being. No matter the calamity, we remain sure-footed, confident of tomorrow's return. It's why we came here, Steve. It's what we wanted for you. These tendrils are fused to his nervous system, Pim. Take your doc... Take. Take your time, Dr. Banner. Never allow this challenge, this grief to defeat you, Steve. Get past this, and no matter what life throws at you, you'll overcome it. And the little boy, Steve, is crying. In order to grow, you must let go of the past. Mom, please. Inside that small frame is a big, strong heart, a good man. A strong heart will take you further than any physical strength. A strong heart means you'll never quit. You'll always maintain the optimism of this great nation. And they're operating on Steve. And Bruce says, okay, I'm in. This should locate and destroy any of the foreign tissue. You can't be stuck here. Life is too short to allow yourself to become trapped in one chapter. You learn when, what you can. You, you stand up and you move forward. How can I move forward without you? My love is in you, Angel, no matter where you go. I'll always be in your heart. Let me cut to the next page, and it's a snowy cemetery and there are two grave diggers lowering a casket and steve is there to pay his respects all by himself and they lower the casket into the the grave he's been through hell i'm frankly surprised he survived 
Think about who you're talking about. Yeah, but even for him, I know Cap's strong, but but this, I don't know. I don't know how he got back up after taking this kind of beating. Where does any man get that kind of courage? And the, the little Steve throws a rose onto the casket and he walks away. We cut to the next page and we have Steve in a uh, recovery room sitting reclined in a hospital bed with Pim and Banner next to him and Mariah Hill from shield comes in and she says 12 years as best as I can tell. Yes. The carbon date testing I ran on the uniform confirms it. You don't look 12 years older. I hadn't noticed. A super soldier serum effect we never thought much about. Congratulations, Steve. It appears you don't age normally. The Zola infection? He raced it, and the biocircuits welded into his nervous system. He gets a clean bill, physically anyway. Captain... About Agent Carter, I have to ask, we need to be certain there wasn't any chance of survival. And in the last panel, they all just stare at him, and he's looking down. Mariah Hill grabs Steve's hand. I'm sorry, but we need to be sure. My deepest consolences. No need to apologize, Maria. Twelve years, I, I can't even imagine what you've been through. I want, I want to keep you close for observation so you can talk to someone about it, about Sharon. Cap looks away from her, looks straight out. I feel better fulfilling my duties, Director Hill, getting back to it. Of course, Captain. I, I didn't mean to suggest otherwise. And don't worry, Steve. Consider this top-level classified. Highly. None of this information leaves this room. Zip. Zilch. Where's Jet? She's proved less than amicable. Rude, even. Where is she now? With the only person as equally disagreeable I know, who isn't gamma irradiated anyway. So, Bob, now we cut to, you know, on this next page, uh, a big semi-splash. And it's Nick Fury, but it's Nick Fury Jr. Right. Yeah. So at this point, again, trying to, you know, ride the coattails of the popularity of the MCU. All those people who watch these movies go to the comics to see Nick Fury. They expect a Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury. They do. Yeah. So in the comics, they wrote it as this is Nick Fury Jr. So it's a son from a, a woman that Nick Fury knew in the past. Yeah. Well, Nick Fury Sr. knew, uh, knew a lot of women. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people have a problem with, you know, with they like the old Nick Fury, you know, and they want the old Nick Fury. But, I mean, I love, I love when they sort of try to have touch points between the cinematic universe and the comics, because I do think it brings new people in and we need new people, man. We need new readers. Uh, listen, you're talking to a former comic shop owner. I get that 
we need new blood, right? So I had yeah. a comic shop for many years and I, um, selling it was, the, was the, one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But I knew, um, you know, we just needed to get new, new readers in. And, and the movies did that. The TV shows did that. Mm. Uh, the, sometimes the video games did that. And so, yeah, you had to, you had to appease both, both parties, right? The, yeah. the new yeah. readers and then the old readers. And I think Marvel did a good job balancing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Nick, the original Nick Fury is not completely gone, but they have Nick Fury Jr. So we have them in a uh, interrogation room and jet black is tied to a chair with her handcuffed behind her. And the best way to describe her, uh, she's a, Oh, probably a 20 ish looking uh, woman, long black hair um, dressed in a Jack Kirby, big Barda outfit from DC new gods you know, kind of uh, a a big woman. Um, I mean, she's slender. She's not thick and muscular, but she's, mm -hmm. but she's, she has that look about her. I mean, some of it is, is the way her hair is. And, and the, I don't know if you, I don't know what you call this crown that goes around her face and around her head um, and the armor that's on her and a small cape and the boots and the rings that go around. Uh, they're all Kirby-esque in my mind. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's a nice, uh, I hadn't, I, once again, I hadn't connected that, but I think you're right. So Nick Fury Jr. says, I don't like to dance around things, Miss Black. You see here, adult people, you waste their time. They just move on. If I move on, you move to a jail cell, remember? I don't know much about where you come from. Not yet, I do not. But here on Earth, oh, it's a busy world. We have lots to be doing. Now, Captain America, vouch for you. Promised you'd be forthcoming. You're lucky. Cap's a high-value advocate here. Your father, on the other hand, is among the very worst human beings that this planet has ever produced. So before I sign off on granting the daughter of Arnim Zola access to my world, I'm going to know a bit about her. And he slams down onto the, the, uh, the table, and he gets in her face. And make no mistake, that's where you are now, Princess, my world. And my world is a sunny and happy place, provided you play by the rules. If you don't, well, I can make it a dark place, full of missed opportunity and grave remorse. So, now, list your superpowers. And he pulls out a, a tablet and a pen. Captain America tells me you are a test tube super warrior, a real gifted fighter. What kind of fighting? How far can you hear it? I can hear an insect on the other side of the world. I can hear and decipher digital transmissions. I can hear your heart, strong and level. I can hear the blood flowing inside your brain, flowing to the section related to attraction. You tie up women, interrogate and break them down. You tell yourself it's just part of your job, but that's not all, is it? There's something else another reason and what would that be and she just smiles next page cap opens the door hope i'm not interrupting 
Yeah, he is interrupting, Bob. What do you think she was getting to there? <laughs> well, she might have been a little spot on. Like you said, she is an attractive woman, you know? So, uh, Bob, I never said she was an attractive woman. You didn't? Uh, no, that would be you saying that she's well, an attractive I, woman. I'm saying she's an attractive woman. <laughs> oh, is she now? Yeah. So, and I think uh, probably uh, old uh, Nick Fury here uh, recognizes that as well. And, you know, we are all animals at heart. So it's hard to mm-hmm. control instinctive, reflexive sort of uh, biological reactions. And she can hone right in on that with her omni senses. <laughs> Just like my, my wife has the ability, she has a, a similar sort of omni sense where she can she can sense when i've spent money <laughs> uh, illicitly on things that i you know uh, book, comic book statues whatever uh, yeah right yeah so that a captain america purchase yeah it's like a pig after a truffle yeah it's uh scary stuff oh i'm well i'm sure i'm sure casey loves being referred to a pig after a truffle that's great <laughs> Thank goodness she doesn't listen to my podcast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. Is uh, uh, you know, I'm seeing family over during Christmas, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, oh yeah, we just celebrated our one year anniversary, and everybody's like, wow, that's really impressive. You know, my kids, my kids, you know, ones in high school, ones in college, and they're like, yeah, I tell my friends that you do a podcast, and everybody, you know, my friends all think it's cool, and I'm like, oh, that's. That's great, you know, and like uh, my sister, my sister who lives in Spain, as you know, yeah. you know, uh, they listen to the podcast. I wonder what <laughs> Bob's got cooking in the kitchen, right? And um, and the whole time, my fiance is sitting there, and she's just kind of like, do 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I have my phone. I think I got a text. Uh, oh, how many how many episodes have you listened to? Do 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 do. Uh, you know, when we were talking about um, the uh, uh, Spotify year in review, yeah. uh, guess which podcast did not show up on, on my fiance's list? Oh, I wonder. Uh, you know, here's, here's something even more ironic, Rick. I, I told you earlier that we drove from uh, where I live in Southwest Florida over to West Palm Beach over the now, holidays. Now, how long a drive is that, Bob? It's about a two and a half hour drive, Rick. So, well, you can't you can't just do that in silence. You got to listen to something. You got to listen to yeah. And what better to listen to than a podcast? But I will exactly. tell you, yeah, we didn't listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to like six hours of a podcast out there and back, uh, having to do with some Russian spy. But it wasn't. You know, I said, "Hey, you want to listen to the Captain America comic book fans podcast?" And then she she said, "Oh, we're out of range." <laughs> well, so so there were three choices there yeah it could have been a flat out no she could have gave you the heisman right yeah and 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 rejected which would have been harsh yeah right yeah. Yeah. it could have been crickets yeah could have been do 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 nothing i got that but instead she went with option three which is a bald face lie just to yeah just to save yeah. feelings yeah we're going to the everglades bad bad reception here we better <laughs> better just play a, a saved one yeah. so right. cap cap comes in he says uh hope i'm not interrupting agent fury and i were just getting acquainted okay come on we're leaving i'd feel safer if i could spend a few days with him 
She'll be safe with me, Nick. I promise. Truth, Steve? It isn't her safety I'm worried about. What did you tell them, Jet? And they're taking off in a in a flying car because, you know, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. And she says, most everything, nothing about Ian, as we agreed. My family is dead. I'm stranded in another world where nothing is familiar. The uncertainty is terrible. I can remember the feeling. What will happen to me now? Where will I stay? With me, until we can get you settled into a normal human life. We'll get you some help dealing with the trauma. What about your trauma? Ian, he was a son to you. I can only imagine the pain. If you want to unburden yourself, I'd be willing to listen. Cap just looks ahead, steers the flying car. And Jet Black turns, looks out the window. I prefer the silence as well. All right, next page. We're in another country in Eastern Europe. Not just any country in Eastern Europe, Bob. This is Rosvekistan. Gah. I worked really hard to pronounce that, Bob. <laughs> I practiced. Wow. Good for you. It says nuke engagement zone number one. And uh, it looks like a, a, a town in the middle of some mountains. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a heavily populated town. It's dark out, middle of, of the square. And there's just a, a bunch of um, civilians walking around, chopping. And it's cold. There's snow. And then you hear in the background, doesn't matter how much good we've done in the region. You still hate us. And here comes Nuke, Frank Simpson. Very strong looking yeah. man. Uh, walking with fatigues, uh, and pants, and a, a belt that says USA on the buckle. So he's got a bunch of pouches around his belt. But, Bob, can't help but notice, he's got a shirt off. He does have his shirt off. Yeah. It's kind of his thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, if I had that chest, I'd walk around with my shirt off too. But I know, right? Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other thing is, it's his thing. He's got a U.S. flag tattooed on his face. Right? So he's got a blonde yeah. crew cut. But the U.S. flag goes from his hairline down to his lower lip. And it's not left to right. It's up to down. Right? So you have, take a flag. That's going left to right and pointed down, and mm-hmm. that's going over his whole face. Um, with this red, white stripes, and then the, the blue obviously has uh, all the, the little white stars in it. And he says, you still hate us. Hate our freedom. Hate our values. Hate our God. Our boys gave their lives here. Our boys died defending you people from yourselves. Those who... From- those who survived came home forgotten. No parades. They call what happened here a defeat for the U.S. A war we rushed into and lost. And all the meanwhile, he's reaching in. He's grabbing a few of these red pills. He throws them in his mouth. And he crunches on them. 
and then you can see a glow about his face. But America doesn't lose. War here just went on pause. You hear me? The war isn't over. You thought we out. You thought we cut and ran back home, left our boys to rot for nothing? That's not the American way. We finish what we start. We clean our own dishes. And we don't lose war. And, he, and the whole time he's talking, he's reaching to this big duffel bag that he's been carrying. And he pulls out this huge machine gun. And then he just starts firing on civilians. And, it, and the machine gun makes a loud noise. What's that, what's that loud noise, Bob? Baka, baka. <laughs> I always thought it was more like a... It would be, but I'm just reading as it's written. So, oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just spit all over my comic. So we cut back to uh, Cap and Jet Black. Can I just call her Jet? Jet Black seems so yeah, let's. Yeah, let's. it is. Yeah. Or okay. Miss Black. Yeah, but just, yeah, maybe Jet. I'm not calling her Miss Black, Bob. Miss Black. Miss Black. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> what impersonation was Ms. Black? Like a, I don't know. I, you know. Um, I'm, I'm living down here in the South. I got, it sounds like my mother-in-law. Mm. Yeah. Would you like a chip, Miss Black? That's, that's how she sounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of like potato chips. So when I'm over in there, she's like, would you like a chip? Oh, she, she sounds very thought. Uh, very, yeah, very she sweet. is. She's very sweet. Yeah. 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 And she's also someone who would never listen to this podcast. Not at all. No. Yes. All right. So cut to the next page and uh, Cap and Jet are flying in the flying car. They're over the Brooklyn Bridge. Cap's flying uh, into a, a building. And he says, hold on. Don't worry. The wall is a, and Jet interrupts him. Hologram. I can see. This is your home. It was. <clears throat> And he, they go into this uh, garage area. Now, I have, I don't recall seeing this room before, Bob. I don't recall seeing, like we've seen Cap's ap- apartment in Brooklyn, right? I mean, yeah, like we saw a lot of it during the Ed Brubaker run in Volume Five, yeah. and yeah. it was always the inside of his apartment yeah. area. Right. We never really saw his garage area, and now we get to finally see this garage area, and this is two thirds page, double page splash. It's really impressive. It is. It is. It is the dream garage of anyone who's in the Captain America comic book fans uh, uh, Facebook group. But you're right. It's uh, when you see the interior of his apartment, it's very nondescript. You know, he has like a print up of like Yosemite or something, you know, but the, mm-hmm. the walls are pretty bare. But the but the garage is not like that at all. No, no. So, I mean, describe the garage for me. Bob. Uh, it. It is how I envision my house. Yeah, <laughs> if if I could get away with it, uh, it has uh, it has everything. All those collectible items, except in this case, they're uh, they're real, right? These are these are things that Steve has collected or accumulated over the years that reflect his history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he has um, some flags, like humongous flags that are uh, draped from the ceiling. There is a, a Nazi flag. It's it's in tatters, by the way. Um, there's a um, 
what is it? What's the Japanese rising sun flag? Imperial flag? It's an imperial flag. Imperial flag. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recognize the third one. It looks like a, a like a, a SS flag, maybe. Because uh, like, yeah. there's a there's an a eagle on a gold, so it's almost almost like thinking. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know what that is. Yeah, um, but then there's some posters on the wall. On the right hand side, there's a. It looks like the poster from the MCU movie First Avenger, where Cap salutes you for buying war bonds. You know where Cap's, you know, got mm-hmm. his triangular right. shield yeah. and. and uh, and then, you know, I want you to buy war bonds. So there's that. Then he's got um, his hi-fi records, right? With his turntable and speakers. Um, there's a communist flag. Uh, and then there's a picture of um, a really blown up picture of uh, Nick Fury and Howling Commandos. Um, and there's a, some, this almost looks like a, a recreational room too, because right, there's like a, um, in addition to the stereo and all his records, there's, uh, some couches and tables. Uh, and then there's a glass case that has four shields in it. So it has his original, uh, heater shield. Then he has three of his, um, circular shields that the classic shields that we know, but one is intact and then two are not one is shattered and he's got the pieces kind of put together, but you could tell it's been shattered and then another one's been shot up with holes i love this bob because this is like this is like the i don't know if this is carlos's way of doing this or did remender write that i don't know but it's almost like saying yeah we recognize that cap's shield has been destroyed a few times yeah right and here's a in, in cap you know who loves his shield uh has put some of these these old shields to rest um also there's uh some other uh images up on the wall including it looks like a captain america number one perhaps yeah. punching out hitler worth some money yeah there's a um there's a costume up in a glass case at the top of the stairs I don't recognize that one, Bob. Do you? I, I don't either. I ha- I wonder if it's uh, if it's a golden age uh, costume from somebody that he fought with or somebody he defeated. But I I honestly don't know. I think I'd have to go back uh, through the invaders maybe to uh, to see uh, who that might be. But uh, I noticed that as well. But uh, uh, but I don't know. I, I it would be a good question for our listeners. Yeah, if anybody knows what costume that is in that double page splash of of Cap's um you know garage wreck area, please let us know. So, uh Jet starts looking at these things on the wall. She says, "These proclamations of past victories, they are important to you?" "Yes. They used to be." When I think of Father and Ian, I feel a pained longing, mourning, grief at the loss of someone you cared for. And he looks down at a picture of Sharon Carter and and Nick Fury Sr. I don't know what the future holds, Jet, but I'm here for you. I'm going to help you put together a new life. What if I prefer the old life? My mother once told me, in order to grow, you must let go of the past. That's just what you'll have to do. 
Are you lecturing me about letting go of the past while standing amidst your shrine to it? And Cap looks around, and there's a costume of Bucky in a glass case. There's a costume of Nomad in in a case. I see what you mean. So next page, um, there are six panels uh, up on the rooftop in stormy, rainy night. And Cap pulls out his shield lighter and he flicks it. And Jet says, go on. And Cap throws the lighter onto a pile of the stuff that we just went over. The flags, pictures, posters, costumes. And he lights it and burns it. And then we see at the end here, the title of this story was A Fire in the Rain. All right, Bob, let's, before we get to the next issue, mm-hmm. what, uh, what do you think of Cap destroying his memorabilia? I'm like, he, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of guys sort of, uh, sort of empathize with him. He's like, hey, I'm not paying those eBay seller fees. Right. That's it, man. Oh, I'd, rather, I'd rather burn it. <laughs> oh, oh seriously, seriously, folks. Yeah, I know this is, you know, one of those things. He's he's right. He's reflecting back on what his mom said about how you got to let go of the past in order to grow and move on. And, uh, you know, and he's trying to give this advice to Jet. And he realizes, you know, because she reminds him that, you know, this this goes for you, too. And uh, and I think that's one of those those moments where he. Maybe he realizes he's been holding on too tight, you know, that man out of time, that it's time for him to let go a little bit of the past and, and move on. So I think we, we all, that's something we can all, I think, uh, maybe understand. Yeah, I, and I hear you and I understand what's going on here. I, I, I know I've heard or read in the Facebook group a few fans who, weren't too pleased about that um that cap burned all his stuff um and i i'm I'm torn i I, half of me agrees with you right that he has to move on of course i'm sitting in my man cave right now surrounded by cap stuff right Mm -hmm. um and yeah yeah and why because it's a nostalgia it reminds me of my youth. It reminds me of a simpler time. It reminds me of things that I enjoy. That's why it's here. Right. Um, And so part of me is holding on too, but to burn it just seems like a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, in the military, um, you know, we move frequently, like every couple of years, three years, you know, maybe four years at the very maximum, you will be in a location. And every time you move on, they have a going away, you know, a hail and farewell. You get a plaque, right? And then as you move throughout your career, you've got your I love me wall. It's got all your plaques on it that you've served. Every place you've served, right? It's got all your promotion warrants. It's got mm-hmm. all... You know, maybe your your big ticket uh, um, award citations, 
and you put these up on your wallet at your office everywhere you go. And, um, and then when you're all done, you get your retirement certificate, you put that up, your congratulations letter from the president, you put that up, you, you get all your ribbons and medals uh, boxed up on a display shadow box or something, you hang that up maybe with your sword. But at a certain point, um, at least for me anyway, I realized that I got to, this, this isn't me anymore, right? I got to stop hauling this stuff around. I got to stop putting this stuff up all the time because I'm living in the past. And, uh, and those were great times and they're a big part of who I am, but uh, I'm still lugging them around. I haven't burned them, but they're in a box in the garage and mm-hmm. I haven't put them up in years because that's no longer who I am. Yep. Part of who I was, it's part of who I am, but it's no longer who I am. Right. Yeah. Well said. It's part of who we are, but not who we are. Um, well, well said. And maybe that's what Cap was going through at that point. Maybe that's what he needed to do to help himself. Because let's face it, he's really struggling. Loss of Sharon, loss of Ian, 12 years of his life gone. He's a man out of time again. Yeah, And we're going to get more into that in this next issue. So next issue is cover number 12. We have nuke on the cover. So there's no, there's no captain America on this cover. There's only the, there's only uh nuke and he is standing over a pyre pile of appears to be dead bodies holding his machine gun with fire behind him. And he says, no war lost. Same creators as before. Uh, so we're going to cut to 1968, and we're in Everest, uh, which is in the Chinese New Year. And in the middle of a blizzard, there are two characters that are walking through this blizzard in the mountains. And one of them keeps saying, like a re- almost like a recording, think of your wife. Think of your son. Think of your village. Think of your wife. Think of your son. And then the other one is almost like a, um, I don't know, uh, he's got a big, like, what do they call him, a Sherpa, right? He's got a big backpack on and he's in a he's, uh, cane and he's going through um, the blizzard leading the way. And we hear an inner monologue. This is not for revenge for my love, not revenge for the evil done to her or me. It is revenge for all of mankind, born to suffer in servitude to the greedy lords of the modern world. What I awaken today will allow me to bestow a magnificent gift on the world. And he places a um, statue of a golden dragon. And as he places it, the eyes of the dragon light up. A great leveling. A truth that comes my fear. I will create a glorious new world. A world where all men are bonded as comrades in the struggle against the darkness. The capitalist lords of the West put value on wealth alone. With no thought given to the well-being of mankind. Nor the world we live in. Action must be taken before the insatiable corporations crush us under their bottom line. We must stand ready. 
My Time in Shield, Police of the Status Quo has shown has shown me this. Protecting only the needs of the master, no mind to the slave. It falls on me to bring the pigs to their knees, to drive a nail into the coffin of their imposed hierarchy, a nail into the heart of the West itself. Now, all during this, Bob, there's two pages of action going on, right? You have um, an explosion that is occurring because of this this golden dragon uh, statue on top of this. And there's, uh, the, you know, people, the, the Sherpa falling, and then the the guy who's speaking falling into the the mountain that just blew up and as he's falling he he's grabbing on to to uh something here i don't know what they are tendrils wires cables i i, I can't make it out and as he lands he lands right in front of a huge dragon not just a dragon but the dragon's eye and then the eyelid opens and focuses on this character and it looks like Fing Fang Foom. It does, yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. A nail strong enough to hold throughout the ages. A nail forged in iron. And as he lands, Fing Fang Foom says, Little rat, you have disturbed my long slumber. Great Nian, forgive my trespass. I stand servant of a people in need of your aid. And he rips open his shirt and he offers his chest up to him. You have found the key, Ron Shun. Taken a submissive pose. The power is yours if your heart is true. And a nail from Fing Fang Foom's large talon just punctures into his heart. And he falls over and he screams. And then he says, thank you. You have proven it as I had hoped. My heart is true. And we see that his eyes have now become the same color and shape of the dragon's eyes. So now we go to Brooklyn, New York. We're in today, next page. And we see uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, in his Falcon uniform, flying with Red Wing. Uh, over Cap's uh, apartment. And we hear an inner monologue of Steve. Everything here, it's all so foreign. My friends are like strangers. Can't let anyone know what I've been, that I'm weak. And in the meantime, we have Steve in his apartment at his artist table. He's drawing a sketch of himself with his son, Ian. In this city, this world, it's not home. Home is another plane of existence, a place with two suns and barren purple deserts, the place I left my family, where Sharon gave her life. It should have been my sacrifice that stopped Zola. I should be there still with my son, the son Zola took, because he knew, knew even if I survived, I'd die with the end. Steve, little help. And Steve turns his head and he comes out of his room. And then there is Jet in a, uh, I'm going to just say black underwear. 
bikini underwear, right? And she's got Sam up against a uh, a wall that's cracked. And she's got one fist around his throat and the other one cocked ready to punch him. You got a guard dog? If you refer to a Zola as a dog again, I will feast on your bones, little bird. It's okay, Jack. Falcon's a friend. Did your naked friend say she was a Zola? Maybe. Explains a thing or two. Haven't seen you at Avengers Tower all week. Taking a few personal days. Yeah, listen. Mariah told me about Sharon. I'm so sorry, Steve. Sorry to my core for your loss. Thank you, Sam. Come on, get dressed. Let's get some air. So, Bob, I, I, uh, uh-huh. I, couldn't, I couldn't notice there's a few other panels in here where uh, Jet's just standing around in her black underwear. Yeah, yeah, they're very high cut. Um, I got I got I got to say, um, Carlos has a, a certain eye for the female form. So, Bob, if I had the ability of uh, Jet to listen to your blood flow. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> I leave my blood flow out of this. <laughs> oh, gosh. This next double page three-quarter splash is amazing. We have Falcon flying and Steve hopping around and with the beautiful Brooklyn Bridge in the in the background, um, and uh, Sam continues his his pleading, saying, "Bet you could use a run." So, what's the story with that Zola girl? Jet Black, she's a refugee under my care while she adjusts. Trust her, she's broken, a hard case programmed from birth to become warlord of Earth. But Jet has a good heart. She helped to stay down her father. She's in the same spot I am. And we can see Jet back in the apartment. She's got her trained ears focused on the conversation. Out of place, disoriented, suffering the loss of family. She needs me, doesn't have anyone else. I need her as well. She knows me, knows what I went through in Dimension Z. And they're hopping around the city. Dimension Z, where she's from, where I spent over a decade trapped thanks to her father. A decade? You're joking. I wish I was, Sam. That's where we lost Sharon, saving the world from Arnim Zola. Bob, look at that cityscape. Look at the detail. Yeah, that's pretty pretty amazing stuff right there. Right? Yeah. It's, It's beautiful. Before I left, Sharon said something told me I, I'm frozen in the past. An assessment more apt now than before. This place was a lifetime ago. How can I be strong, stand up and serve if I, if I can't let go of what happened? And Bob, you know, I'm a sucker for... Uh, oh, yes, you are. Multi-pictured panel of Cap doing his acrobats. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine caps in this one panel so they have the 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 one in focus which is the the current one and then you have eight silo you know shaded silhouetted ones in the background of him jumping around 
That's a pretty amazing uh, panel right there. Yep. And Sam says, it isn't so cut and dried. You never forget. But over time, you do let go. Bob, this last panel breaks my heart. Steve's crying. He's got tears in his eyes. It does, yeah. I know how it is, how impossible it feels. You loved her. We all did. It's more than just Sharon, Sam. Zola's son, I I saved him as an infant. I raised him as my own. Sharon, Sharon killed him. Thought she was protecting me from one of Zola's henchmen. And I'm lost here, struggling to find meaning in a world that holds none for me. Cap's got his head in his hands. Sam's there as a good friend to comfort him. So now we cut over to Eastern Europe and Rosvekistan. It's nuke engagement zone two. And this time the military's out. He's not just firing on civilians. There's tanks, there's soldiers with weapons. But we hear the inner monologue of someone new to the story. And that would be this Daily Bugle photographer. Not Peter Parker, but a young Asian lady. And she's there. And her inner monologue says, the Daily Bugle's as tight as drum these days. I'd make more panhandling. Robbie isn't paying a red cent unless I deliver a scoop. New face of freelance journalism. You dig it up fast, you get paid. Come in an hour behind the next guy, and you don't. But this, this is going to cost you, Robbie, just as soon as I can get linked to the satellite and get you a taste. Phone scrambled. No internet either. Someone doesn't want this getting out. How the hell is it all connected? Dozens of the world's richest people have been disappearing. And every trail leads here. And she's snapping away photos. And then we cut to, which Carlos seems to like these three quarters or maybe two thirds Mm -hmm. double page splashes. And we see Nuke coming from above in a helicopter with a machine gun firing down. I won't let you boys down, Colonel. I know you won't, Agent Simpson. Never forget. No patriot could stomach so many American bodies. Left in foreign ground. And he's just firing away as he's talking with the colonel uh, on his intercom. In service of a generation of spoiled ingrates. Our boys deserve better. They came to this backwards nation to liberate it, to move these mongrels towards American ideals. Their service deserves acknowledgement. Deserves victory, sir. Acknowledgement from the soft spines they protect. Soft spines too busy protecting in parks, moaning about their station. Nobody just showed up and gave them everything they ever wanted. The American dream is built on the idea that you work for what you get. Not enough for this generation. Whining because the American dream only rewards the hardworking, the industrious. Those who deserve it most. A malleable generation complaining in unison. But Bob, this colonel has been talking in his ear this whole time. 
it appears to be someone um i don't know they're, they're dressed in a robe and they have their hair up and they're looking on screens but there's uh, an asian decor about them including yeah. a uh, it looks like a a dragon slash lion yeah it's like a food dog right one of those food dog statues yeah yeah because only cream rises to the top the drift in artificial worlds inside their iphones and ipads just respecting the memories of the men who protected them ignoring the approaching wolves and their mud gods calling them to arms come to take our liberty take our freedom they hate our freedom agent simpson these men you face, they embarrassed our great nation, sent us home in disgrace, left the bodies of our boys to rot in the ground. Our boys, they don't remember our boys. No, they don't. But you do, don't you? And Nuke's just going around, just firing on, on and taking out soldiers and tanks. Betsy remembers them too. She keeps track. She loves her country enough to come back, back to this hell. And he pops a few red pills back to win. We'll win back their respect. And, and when they fire on him, they're hitting him, but no damage is getting done because, you know, he's part cyborg. Save America's reputation. Win the lost wars we fled in disgrace to earn the lives given to liberate these backwater holes. They'll see, sir. They'll see now. America doesn't run. America doesn't lose. And the whole time after he blows up this tank, he goes onto the highest poles and he puts America flags everywhere throughout the city flying. And I find it interesting, Bob, on this page, it says America doesn't lose. The entire page is black. Yeah. Except for the three words in white in the center. America doesn't lose. So then we get to China. Next page. And here on the Great Wall of China, there is someone walking and there's soldiers. And there's looks like people dressed in really you know nice clothes and they have tucks and gowns you have fed long enough pigs of the master's house and just as countless generations built the great wall above you you will now dig the hole beneath you and they go down an elevator shaft to below in the in the mountains your lives spent here toiling in this mine with no hope of bettering your station while your masters bask in the fruits of your labor, feeding on crayfish and truffle oil, you will work as the squalled masses whose labor produced your riches. Your family's very lives depended upon your continued labor, a fate shared by all of the world's workers. Put them right to work. No morning meal. And this person who's been talking comes up to the person we saw in silhouette before who is looking at the screens, talking to Nuke. Is it done? Yes. He will get us inside? He will. Do not doubt me, old friend. I cannot fail. The burden is too great. It falls on me 
to bring the pigs to their knees. I am the nail to be hammered into the coffin of the hierarchy. I am the nail to be driven to the heart of the West, the nail so strong it will hold throughout the ages, the nail forged in iron. And as the last panel, the person in silhouette turns, and we see it's the same person at the beginning of the issue who has the dragon's eyes. All right, on this next issue, issue 13, uh, covers pretty cool, another Carlos Pacheco cover, and it's Cap and uh, Nuke in the middle of a, a fight. And Nuke's pile-driving Cap in the middle, breaking through timber uh, as they're crumbling walls all around them. Um, so it's a, it's a big fight. Um, this one, actually, Carlos Pacheco did not do the art on this one. This was uh, by Nick Klein um, doing the penciling and inking on this particular one. I guess, uh, from, I don't know what, what happened here, but uh, Carlos has the issue off. So here we are um, in a, like last issue, where it started with, a, a, you know, going back in time. Actually, all the issues started with going back in time, yeah. right? It was 1938, 19. What was the last issue? The last issue was 1968. I think it was 68, 69, that time frame. Yeah, right. well, region. I think it was 68 because this one's 1969. Yeah. Right. So we're in Shields Hub Station. And and look, Bob, it's your Nick Fury, the one you love. Yeah, it's, it's the man. What's it been, Ron? Two years. Now I go two years away from an old friend. No call, no letter. I get sad. I worry the relationship is eroding. But when I lose contact with my number one agent, infiltrating Mao's little party over in China, well, well, that friend goes quiet. I get downright nervous. And so we got Nick and Dum Dum Dugan standing there in uh, their shield fatigues, uh, standing over a seated... Um, uh, Ron, who uh, was the one that we saw in last issue, was the one with the dragon eyes, right? Mm-hmm. You know the time I invested in climbing to Mao's side, Fury? I couldn't risk contact. Do you appreciate the risk I take reporting even now? That's a dodge, and I could smell him. There's nothing you're leaving out? I couldn't risk alerting Mao. Hmm. See, the way I hear it, Mao is already beyond alerted. Rumor has it, you went against his orders, pissed off the Soviets. He cast you out, stripped your rank, ran Shen as a madman, they say. And coming from that crew, that's something. And out of the floor comes these tentacles that uh, wrap around Ron and uh, take away his chair. And I think that's pretty cool, right? Because this is 1969. And that's something you would see in a Nick Fury shield, you know? It was like yeah. Jim Steranko is drawing this, right? All of a sudden these yeah. tentacles come up and, and grab someone. Yeah, they look very they look very Doc Ockish. They do. So what the hell? What do you think we got here, Dugan? Me? Uh, what do I know, Nick? I was never top of any spook class like Ron. Me? I'm just an old grunt, better in a foxhole than in a lion competition. Humor me. Well, the way I understand, 
We sent on Raw here to China to join Mao's party, mission to keep the U.S. abreast. But once he gets in, reports increasingly decrease in frequency. Sounds to me like, if you allow an educated guess, I will. I'd say Mr. Ron Chen grew fond of the Communist Manifesto. I'd say he joined up, gone rogue. Good theory. I have one that's more of a, what's it called? A field report. Eyewitnesses sort of, eyewitness sort of thing. Word is, Ran here started his own little pinko party. Been building himself a homegrown army, the Shallon Scientist Squad. Word is, he made a power grab, overreached, got caught. Now we go to the next page. Bob, what? What? Winter Soldier is in this issue? Yeah, nobody nobody, uh, told me that. Now, at this time in 1968, Winter Soldier was totally Winter Winter Soldier. Yeah, he was Winter Soldiering. Yeah, so he's working for the... The, the Russian um, military, and they're sending him into deep black ops. Uh, this must be one of those times. He is behind, like almost in an sh- air shaft or something, hanging from a cable, and he's got a, um, a listening device to his ear and a like a microphone gun that he's holding up, because that's 1969 uh, technology right there. So he's listening in. Now, not a week after his escape, Mao's retaliation, he shows up here. You always were a cocky SOB, but you really think I wouldn't find out, Ran? Perhaps I wanted you to. Right. And now you've got us right where you want us. You were my choice. So this is on my infernal noggin for trusting you were true. Turns out your blood runs pink. So be it. Only thing, I don't know why the hell you came back here. To fulfill a promise to a friend. And his eyes have that dragon glow. Just then, his chest opens up and these darts come flying out and hitting Nick and Dum Dum. A man who knew you'd deceive him. The iron nail of the neon brings you bad luck today, Nicholas. The slowly releasing infinity formula that sustains your longevity becomes a rapid finite formula. Only a small taste, not enough to prove fatal. I want you alive and full of health to witness the revolution. And so we see here on the floor, instantly, Nick and Dum Dum Dugan get old and wither. I know that feeling. And then he uh, also takes out this device, holds it in his hand, and there's like a little eyeball that's looking at Nick's eyeball and basically copying his eyeball. And then there's an inner monologue of Ron. I once felt great pride in wearing these colors because he's he's now dressed in a um, shield uniform. Great pride walking these halls, blinded by another promise. A promise made as you laid dying, Father. You suffered such indignity at their hands. 
But instead of feeling rage at the capitalistic corruption that allowed thugs to descend on the working class, all you wanted was for me to grow strong, to fight for justice, to protect others from your fate. Such blind faith in the American dream, a dream that crippled you under a strike breaker's baton. I hope you'll understand if I respectfully decline the invitation to join this hallucination. I tried, Father, gave my life over to the pursuit of the American ideals. A fantasy shrouded the true evil machinations of the greedy and rich in control. A dream sold to laboring masses. Working under the misguided assumption that those of power have their best interests at heart. Truth justice, and liberty for all. The greatest lie ever perpetrated on a people. Now, during all this, he is making his way deep into an area that only Nick Fury could get into, but he's using that copied eyeball Mm -hmm. to to gain access. And at the very last panel, who should be jumping in behind him but Winter Soldier? A lie we will expose, old friend. And then turning around very quickly, Sean, his chest opens up in these tent, these, these, these pins with um, wires attached to him that he fired at Nick and Dum Dum. He's firing at, at Winter Soldier. You'll never obstruct me again, Winter Soldier. But the Winter Soldier puts up his metallic arm and deflects them. You can't have him. And he comes at him and punches him. He's, and then Winter Soldier punches him back and kicks him. He's not my target. And he pulls out a gun and he's about to fire on him. But just then, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents show up and start firing. And there's these loud gun noises. What are the, what are the sounds, Bob? Blam, 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 blam. And you see Dum Dum saying, take him down. You've hurt your own cause, Soviet dog. And Sean, is it Sean? Ron. Ron. Ron, Ron Sean. Ron, huh? Ron Sean. Is yeah, it? Ro- yeah, call him Ron, though. Oh, okay. We're on that, that personal level, are we? <laughs> right, yeah. Like Ron, Ron uh, throws down a smoke bomb. And then Winter Soldier turns and he can't fire him. And so Nick's like, shoot the kill. Do not let that man escape. And they're firing, but Winter Soldier dives off. Get the man scurrying. Won't do any good. That guy was too good to not have a tight escape plan. Who was he? And what, what the hell did he, Ron Shen want in here for? Nothing good. Next page. One big, gigantic splash. And there's a huge door, Bob. Huge door. It's probably like four or five stories tall. And painted on it, it says, Weapon Minus. And then there's the shield logo. And then there's these big bolts holding the door closed. What is on the other side of that door, Bob? Who, who knows? So next page, we're back at the Brooklyn, New York. And we have Sam down in the um, garage area that we were at before and he's looking at the walls that no longer have the posters, the flags, the memorabilia. And we have 
um, with him, Jet Black, um, who is wearing more of a black Speedo kind of workout tight outfit, um, which, um, you know, a little bit more than, say, just the, the bikini underwear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably just enough to keep the blood flowing, right, Bob? Sure, absolutely. She looks. It's like a. Uh, it's like. A, <laughs> it's like a black version of uh, what was it? Mila Jovanovic, who in the Fifth Element, if you remember that. Yeah, that I film. Do. Yeah. This is like a black version of the white outfit, and I know uh, some of you listeners out there recall that outfit. So uh, I know you're flipping through your comics right now, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find these panels. So. I would say Jet Black is a tad more voluptuous. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. In all the uh, right places. Yeah, absolutely. Never seen Steve like this, ever. He just took it all. Pictures, costumes, all his memorabilia. And he burned it. And while she's in her, she's working out, she's hitting a punching bag. And she says, every piece to be free of shackles to grow past the burdens of his old life. He should not remain tethered to old and useless things. Well, this old and useless thing has known the man long enough to know this is a sign of trouble. Perhaps it threatens you, Sam Wilson, another relic, no longer the one who knows him best. You got out of your father and you know that? Mean. Better mean than oblivious. And then we cut to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in Mariah Hill. Falcon, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm at Steve's place, getting caught up with his new friend. Yes, Jet Black is a problem, no doubt. Cap seems blind to the danger inherent in befriending a Zola bred to dominate the human race. In case you haven't been clued in, Sam, she can, she, she can heighten any of her sentences. Not sentences. <laughs> She heightens her sentences. <laughs> in case you haven't been clued in Sam. Oh, gosh. In case you haven't been clued in Sam, she can heighten any of her senses. Touch, smell, vision, hearing. In all likelihood, she's listening to us right now. And she does. She stops punching for a second. She turns and smiles and says, hello, Maria. She's an issue for another time. Right now, we've got trouble that demands Captain America. And at this point, uh, Sam walks in on Steve, who is sleeping in bed. And he's looking at Steve sleeping in bed. I don't think Steve should be in the field. I can't hear that right now, Sam. We're all shattered over the loss of Agent Carter, but the world needs Captain America. It's more than than Sharon. I'm not at liberty to say anything else, but let someone else deal with whatever the problem is. Steve needs some time off. I believe you're right, Sam, but this situation demands his presence. The world must see Captain America deal with Nuke, or we're going to be looking down the barrel of World War III. Nuke? Former super soldier, fought in Vietnam. Cyborg with extreme mental illness, born of a version of the super soldier formula in hyperamphetamines. He is reopening the conflict we fought in Rosvekistan. He's decimating cities and planting American flags in the rubble. Dear God, what's the international reaction been? We've blacked out the media. No one knows yet. We can't maintain it much longer. You know, and at the response 
to hearing that, Sam's eyes grow wide. Is that legal? It's either that or international meltdown. We should be transparent here. Just explain in a perfect world. Right now, I need your partner to apprehend Nuke alive. We need to know who's been giving him orders. Do you understand the gravity of this, Sam? When images do go live, we they need to be of Captain America taking this madman down. So then we cut over to uh, Rosvekistan, and it's nighttime. And the young uh, photographer we talked about before, she's got her inner monologue going. Entire nation is in turmoil. Place has been mirrored in endless war for decades. Military coup, loss of democracy, ethnic cleansing. Now this, and no sign of any international assistance. Not after the body count the last time the U.S. came in. There's a loud explosion. No way to get any information in or out. Total blackout. A madman with an American flag on his face slaughtering thousands. Doesn't take a genius to smell shield all over the information shutdown. But he didn't count on Samantha Chan. And then uh, you see she's videotaping on her camera here. Nuke just wasting people with a machine gun. He's unstoppable. Drawn. There's no, ah. because of you, Americans are ashamed of themselves, ashamed of our boys. And then just then, you see, I'm an American. And Nuke looks up and an entire page splash is of Cap coming down from the sky, hitting Nuke full force with his shield. And then there's Falcon and Red Wing flying above him. And you sure as hell don't speak for me. Every great nation suffers a decline. This man is a living reminder of our darkest hour. A relic of an America I wasn't there to help. One chance, soldier. Stand down. I'm under orders from the general. His eyes blank out of his mind. No reasoning with him. Too powerful to risk. Give it everything I have. And he throws his shield, but Nuke blocks it with his machine gun, but caps too fast and comes up and punches him. And it barely phases him. No intervention, sir. With all due respect, you're in the way. And he cracks Steve and sends him flying. Driven by lies, a good soldier twisted. Sam tries a quiet approach with his wing, but his wings whistle, catching air. I'm under order, sir. I'm going to, and he turns and he hits Sam with his machine gun just at the right time. Nuke picks up on it. He's good, taking us apart. Smell of burning flesh hangs in the air. Fight the gag reflex. Get up, stop him before his body count grows. The wrong side won this war. And he's running towards a, a, a building. And on the inside of the building, there's a bunch of soldiers. He's coming. Ready your. And he slams open the door and just starts firing his machine gun. Sinking feeling in my gut. Whispering a hard truth. He's beyond you. And no one else is coming to help. You weren't the people we supported. Ignore the screams. 
a smell. Get up. Stop this madman. You weren't supposed to win. Burning soldier. Too far gone. Dead at the hands of a man with my flag on his face. Dead at the hands of an American super soldier. Made us look bad. Made the boys look bad. Every dead body. Another family. They'll, they'll see the U.S. as an enemy. Every dead body. A signpost that we've lost control. And he gets up onto the roof. And Nuke throws a, a grenade. Two grenades, actually. At the soldiers. No war lost. They say all we offer the world is war. They say we're corrupted by military ambition. He's going to prove them right. And Falcon comes in to try to grab the two grenades, but Nuke starts firing on him, so Falcon puts up his wings to to guard himself from the fire. But Red Wing grabs one, but one lands on the ground. How many has he killed? Don't think about that. Just do whatever you can. Save those who are left. And he gets over top of the, the one grenade that's on the, the roof, and he puts a shield on it to deflect it, but it blows up and kind of sends Cap for a loop. You fight against your own troops for these swine? My orders are clear, sir. Get up. Get up, damn it. But just then, Red Wing takes his grenade and tosses it at Nuke. And there's a big explosion. Cap gets up. Red Wing binds me a moment. Get them out of here. Run! Find cover! It won't matter if they do, sir. It just won't matter. And then there's Nuke holding his Gatling gun, machine gun, named Betsy. All right, here we get to the last issue. Bye, we're rolling. We are rolling, man. Now, this is a really cool cover because it no longer has the Captain America logo at the top. Instead, it has Captain America handwritten in the snow at the bottom of the image instead of at the top of the image. And we have Cap over top of a, a downed nuke. He's He's basically uh, face down in the snow um, and caps over top of him. And he's got his shield raised as if he's about to strike him with his shield, almost to the point of that he could decapitate him. Yeah, it looks a little bit like the uh, the Baron Blood, you know, issue there where uh, he decapitated Baron Blood. I mean, this is a great cover, man. Whoever owns this, man. Yeah. Maybe a, like even if you had like a preliminary of this would be awesome. Yeah, because you got Falcon Redwing rushing to Cap yeah. behind him. Yeah. Right. Um, yes, I am not lucky enough to own the cover by Carlos Pacheco, but I did recently pick up the preliminary sketch that Carlos did for this, and I got to say, the preliminary sketch looks identical to what the final cover looks like. Like he just basically copied his preliminary sketch. Um, but yes, I am lucky enough to own that. All right. So we, Carlos Pacheco is back to be the penciler for this issue. Uh, the inker is Mariano Taibo. And then Dean White is doing the color art. 
So we have Cap and Nuke fighting it out. And we hear the inner monologue of Steve. Nuke's murdered dozens of innocents, planted my flag in the bodies. Hours now, hours trying to stop him. Nothing slows him down. And my control is fading. Something's unleashing itself. Something caged inside me. Something furious. And he goes to, to, to sling his shield at Nuke's face. And Nuke grabs it with his teeth. And by just turning his head, takes the shield out of Cap's grip. And throws the shield away. And then he kicks him in the ribs and knocks him down. Some new rage, born of grief. My mind in another place with, with, with my dead family. Rage makes me sloppy. Rage isn't the solution to this. Intellect might be. So Nuke's got Cap dead to rights. Nuke, Nuke is, I mean, Cap is laying down, face down. Nuke's standing over him. In fact, he's got his his boot on his gut, on his midsection, holding him down. And he's got Betsy, the Gatling gun, aimed at his head. Death to anyone in my way. My orders, sir. You're a patriot, Agent Simpson, a good soldier. But your orders are bunk. Why else would I be here trying to stop you? Patriotism taken too far is fanaticism. No matter who you are or where you're from, these filthy foreigners made us look bad. Foreigners aren't your enemy, son. I'm the son of immigrants. What? When I was a kid, it was my father's people, the Irish, who were looked down on, called filthy foreigners, discriminated against. Is that the xenophobic America you want? All religions, all nationalities, we all want the same thing. To see our children grow strong. To provide safety for our families. To live in quiet times. Peace, son. Isn't that why we became soldiers? To fight for a peaceful world? And Nuke pauses. And then he puts his gun down. And he helps cap up. My orders are lies. Let's get you home. Find whoever the hell is giving them and take them down. We'll get you help. A fair trial. And he shakes his hand. Following orders. I, I was just. I find this panel disturbing, Bob, because they're shaking hands with left hands. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. You're right. And just then, we get back to the Daily Bugle photographer, but uh, a piece of glass she must have run into fell, and she makes herself known. And then Nuke says, the press. Cap says, no, focus on me. Liars. Manipulators. Nuke, she's with me. The general knows. Make the boys look bad. And he he takes his... Uh, gun and just smacks cap down your cameras weapons used to shame us kill morale made our nation hate us you won't get away with it not here not where our boys died 
and coming from the sky as a voice. She isn't the one shaming America. It's you, you crazy bastard. And this next page is a full page splash. And it's Sam hitting Nuke from behind. Knocking him into the snow. Picking him up and throwing him into a tree. And he drops him. He drops Betsy. You think this slaughter honors the dead? Those men died for the peace you're destroying. Doesn't that mean anything to you? And he's punching Nuke. But just then, he pulls a, a really large knife out of his, his belt. And he slices Sam in the gut. How dare you? What do you know about our sacrifices, civilian? Nothing. And he punches him down. And then he got his head. On, he's got his boot on top of his head in the snow. Punks like you sat at home nice and warm, judging our soldiers, dodging drafts, and shunning those willing to fight. You don't get to say what our boys would have wanted. Our boys didn't fight for any peace. They died trying to keep America strong. And you all let us down. So Nuko's chasing after the photographer through the woods. And she actually comes out of the woods, but comes to the edge of a cliff she has nowhere to go bob can't let you do it again you ruined lives our boys came home to a country that hated them they should have come home as heroes and he picks up his knife twirls it in his hand to come down strike her with the knife i, I i'm not i i didn't they fought and died for your freedoms and you betrayed them never again and just before he can strike her with the knife, she falls backwards off the cliff. But next page, Sam comes and grabs her. Got you. And Cap throws his shield in the middle of his back. And it ricochets off back into his hands. And then he throws it and it ricochets off his face. And he throws it and it ricochets off his ribs. And then he comes up and he nails him in the face with the shield. And you hear Cap's inner monologue. Try to find another way. A softer course through this. This monster, clear to me now. Mercy will only lead to more dead. Next page, Sam's letting the photographer down. You'll be safe here. Thank you. Got to get back to help Cap, but I'm on strict orders. I need that camera. What? I'm an American journalist. I, I don't give my camera over to some clown in tights. A clown in tights who saved your life? A clown under direct orders from S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, who cares? We didn't elect S.H.I.E.L.D. Some clandestine organization that thinks it operates above the law, but they aren't the law. They sure as hell aren't the law here. I'm just trying to save lives. Now, get in, not get into a debate on freedom of the press, but that's where you find yourself. But I tell you what, superhero, you want my camera? Take it. Make a choice. Do you believe in freedoms of the press as a fundamental rule or only when it's convenient to those in charge? What are your principles, Falcon? How far away from them will you go to uphold them? Falcon pauses and he gives his camera back to her and flies away. An envoy will be by to collect you soon. On the next page, we have Nuke kicking Steve in the face, knocking off his helmet and um, 
I guess that chin strap wasn't very tight, Bob. And uh, he says, you don't know what it's like. Your generation were heroes, given the respect you earned beating the Nazis. We lost our war. Those who made it home were despised by the thankless people they were protecting. The ingrants didn't even know the names of the places our boys died in. But now they will. Everyone will. You were given what you earned. Everyone respected you and yours, looked up to you. My boys didn't get that. You can't understand, sir. We lost everything. And the whole time, he's like firing um, some sort of like, almost like a flamethrower at Cap, but Cap's got his shield up. He's protecting himself, but he keeps getting closer and closer and closer to him to the point where he breaks through and he just punches a right cross against Nuke and makes him drop his, his weapon. What the hell do you know we've lost? You think we had it easy? That we had it better than you? That our war was somehow easier? War as hell. You think you're honoring the troops by reopening these wounds? By murdering these people? All you've done is perpetuate the cycle, leaving a new generation of broken families. You came here where you didn't belong. You bombed their homes. You murdered their children. And you wonder why they hate us? This whole time, he's got Nuke down. And he's punching Nuke in the face. And he's bludgeoning him. And he's bloodying him. And Nuke, Nuke's lost. He, he, he's, he can't fight back. Cap's won at this point. But Cap's enraged. And just like the cover, he takes his shield up. All you've done is set a fuse that leads to more war. I can't risk you doing it again. But Sam reaches him in time and he grabs the shield. Man's had enough, Steve. Steve looks down and his battered and bloodied face. And Nuke says, my orders, the general only wanted to serve serve our country make you proud sir and the next page all I ever wanted for our boys for the forgotten and he grabs hold of Steve's boot and the two Sam and Steve just look down on him and the helicopter comes in next page coming out of the helicopter is shield agents including Nick Fury Jr. Nick, didn't expect to see you here. I thought we had to keep things quiet until you could show me bringing him in. Doesn't matter anymore. News got out. Some reporter made it past our blackout zone. Uploaded this about three minutes ago. And it's a picture of Steve and Nuke. Remember that, that weird embrace with the left hands? And the cover says... America operatives in Rasvekistan kill hundreds. And Steve looks at Sam, that reporter. You took her camera, isn't that right, Sam? Tell Furry you stopped her. And Sam just looks back, silent and angry. So we cut to China. Remember that uh, big wall of China? 
in the in its Sean in present day. Some would call it a Great Wall. Yeah, well, they would be wrong. It's a big wall of China. We all knew that. <laughs> it's the big wall of China, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom of the press can be a double-edged sword. I don't relish using the few remaining fibers of American integrity amid the fetid tapestry against them, nor do I take pleasure in using their own champions to further smear their already tarnished reputation. But when I am done, they will be better for it. As Germany grew stronger in the decades after their evil Reich was crushed, the corrupt infection of the capitalist West and its corporate masters has spread too deep. To heal this gangrenous limb, we must hack it off. And to do that, we must rid ourselves of their Gestapo in the sky. We cannot change the world until the secret police of the empire falls. For humanity to thrive in a peaceful world, I must drive an iron nail into the heart of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we see on this last page, full panel, full splash, the iron nail revealed. And then iron nail story continues in future issues, but the nuke story does not. So this is where we shall end it. What'd you think, Bob? I'm, I'm interested to get your perspective being a 25-year military man, did some of the things that Nuke said ring true to to you or to perhaps maybe some of your comrades? Or did some of the things that Steve said ring true or is it a little bit of both? You know, it's... Uh, I want to keep it light, Rick, but... Yeah, this is like, you know, this is a very, you know, it's a very interesting dichotomy that, uh, you know, the writer is setting up here. Um, because it's it's two ways of looking at what it means to be a patriot, what it means to be a soldier, what it means to, you know, what is, what is the outcome that military force is designed to be used to achieve, Right. And uh, what we see here is 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 really uh, an extreme in in Frank Simpson and Nuke. Um, you know, I find it repugnant. Obviously, uh, maybe not obviously, but I do find it repugnant. Repugnant. Although I have a Frank Simpson knife, you can see that. Whoa! Yeah, that's My a friend- uh, that looks like a like a fourteen inch knife there. It, it is. It is. This was uh, this was given to me by a by a. A staff sergeant back in the day when I was a first lieutenant, when I uh, departed, you know, from one of those commands. But in any case, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I struggle with this story. I struggle with with Duke. I struggle with uh, sort of the brainwashing that goes on um, in the impressionable. Uh, and it, it, it's not, these aren't, you know, career soldiers aren't usually like this, right? It's, it's, it's people who are lulled into a false idea of what it means to be a patriot or a soldier. And then that is taken in Frank Simpson's case to the extreme through augmentation and through medication and through brainwashing. And he's used as a weapon uh, in a way that uh, goes against everything that Captain America stands for. Uh, and so I love this this particular story, just as I've I've, I've liked other instances where Cap has gone up against uh, uh, Nuke, 
because it does juxtapose those two different views, perspectives about uh, the military and what the military should be used for and what it should mean and what it should mean to be a soldier. Yeah. And then you have Cap's perspective on that, right? Because he comes from being a soldier as well. And it's an interesting, um, you know, dichotomy there because I think there's a bit of truth in the fact I would imagine that Vietnam vets and some of the wars after, a lot of the soldiers probably were jealous of the World War II vets who received a lot of love and admiration and respect upon return, and they did not. And it, it's an interesting that that was brought up in this story that Nuke was going on and on about, you earned that and you received it, um, but we didn't get that. Um, so there's that side of the story. And I, I see where it's built from and, and where it comes from. But I thought it was really interesting in how Cap responded. Cap typically has some empathy for that. And he has some, you know, uh, ability to appreciate and say, okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from. But there was none of that here. This was, he was so full of rage and indignant in the fact that He's like, you know, who are you to tell me what I went through in World War II? And he was really, really upset with the words that Nuke was saying. Uh, and, and you wonder if, was this out of, did he really truly believe that? Um, or was Steve at such a low point in his life, his grief from losing Sharon, his grief from losing Ian, his grief from being back in a world after 12 years somewhere else that he feels a man out of time that this we we don't normally see steve cry and we saw steve cry in the story yeah. he was out of sorts was was this a a weak point of steve a low point in steve where he basically he lost that ability to have empathy and just strictly went to rage I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's an interesting way of, of sort of interpreting what's going on here. I, I think Steve's whole life has been about sacrifice, right? Um, and praise and accolades and all those things come from sacrifice, but sacrifice doesn't demand those things because when sacrifice demands recognition, when it demands the accolades, then it's, it's no longer sacrifice, right? It's transactional. And I think, you know, Steve has sacrificed his whole life. I mean, from the moment he took the super soldier serum, he has sacrificed every step of the way, including sacrificing Sharon and Ian um, in the course of, 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 of his experiences. And what Nuke is talking about is, is not sacrifice. It's transactional. It's like, we did this and yes, it involved sacrifice, but, but we expected this in return. And, right. I, and I think, you know, after everything that Steve has lost, that, that is, that is cause for rage, I think in him in, in the state that he's in. So, yeah, I think you've got something there that I think he is, 
he's he's on the edge now uh, with so much loss, so much grief that it's been transmuted into a rage when faced with somebody who's who's complaining about the fact that his sacrifices are not being honored. I think you have something there. I think that's an interesting take in the fact that maybe part of his rage is that, you know, listen, you, you volunteered to, to be in this role and you're upset. You're not getting credit for it. Right. Like, like that, is that the reason you did it? Is that, is that the reason behind it? So he, it's almost like he, maybe, maybe that was part of his rage too, is, is, uh, of his nukes dismay in not, you know, being recognized. And, and I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, listen, when, when, when nuke was down, I mean, his, his last words were, I, I was doing it for my, my fellow soldiers who, who were fallen. I was doing it to honor them. And quite frankly, he said that many times throughout the story, you know, yeah. his, his rage was for his comrades that had fallen or his comrades that did go back and did not get the respect they deserved for the sacrifice they made. Um, yeah, it's, it's a complicated story and that's what makes it so much interesting and so much fun to read. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's great writing. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's great writing and it was rendered very, very well by the, by the creative team. So rendered by Rick Remander rendered, rendered. Uh, let's, let's not, you know, I, I, I include everyone in the creative team, including the letterers. So, uh, you know. Rendered. That's true. Without the the letters, we wouldn't be able to read this comic. So that's right. You wouldn't know what was going on. It would be a silent issue. Yeah, and we've seen that. We've seen that before. We've seen some panels without uh, without words. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we haven't seen. We haven't. Seen, well, we have actually. You called yeah, it an out. issue fifty. Remember, in issue fifty, there was the, uh, yeah. the silent story we did. Yeah, and we've seen uh, we've seen words without pictures in the previous issue. Yeah. So I guess it is possible, but I like when it all comes together, my friend. I know we love our comics, don't we? All right. Well, this went a little long, so we appreciate everybody who stuck with us on that. Um, we, uh, we will be back next episode covering a <laughs> one issue. So we promise it won't go two hours, um, but you never know. <laughs> we could go on a few tangents. Uh, <laughs> Next episode, episode 67, we are going to cover um, a 1990 issue, right? Uh, we just we just did 2013. Now we're going to do 1990, and that will be Captain America, Volume 1, issue 371. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, that's the famous uh, Steve Goes on a Date issue. Famous. It's famous. Yeah, it actually... Uh, I'll read the solicitation for this one. You ready for this, Bob? All right. Lay it on me. Cap finally goes on a date with Diamondback. But Gamecock, the Trump, Black Mamba, Asp, and Anaconda want to make it a night they won't forget. Plus, a special Diamondback tale. This 
this sounds like this is going to be a page turner. Yeah. Well, no, this, uh, you know, it's funny. We do the uh, daily flashbacks in the Facebook group. And every time, every time, listen, I've only done this twice. Uh, but when issue 371 shows up, uh, it's a, it's written by Mark Roomwald. It's art by Ron Lim. And it's a, it's a cover of uh, Cap. Or, I'm sorry. It's a cover of Steve, right? Steve and Rachel walking on a date in an alleyway. And then there are these villains that are all appearing, uh, you know, looking down on them. And the cover says, nothing can prevent Cap and Diamondback from having a pleasant night on the town. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we always get a bunch of um, comments on this. I love this issue. It's such a fun issue. So, hey, we're going to do it. Yeah. So that could be next ep- episode, episode 67. So come back for that. And you know what? I hope uh, maybe, maybe we're going out of a limb here, Rick, because I haven't run this by you yet. But I think uh, when we when we do publish this episode, we should ask people to to chime in on their worst date night experiences. <laughs> it's a little too late for that, uh, but I like the idea. Yeah. Uh, maybe they can post it in the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. In the Facebook group, when we when we post this issue episode. Yeah. 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 You going to talk about how the Trump ruined your date? <laughs> or Gamecock? Gamecock, yeah. Did you have a problem strange. with it? Would you have a problem with your yeah. Gamecock on yeah. on your first date? Yeah, with the blocker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the creativity. All right. Well, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. It has, Rick. Let's do this again sometime soon. Sounds good. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book.